What's up, everybody? This is episode 151 of Fibercast. I'm Burke, and as always, joined by Sean. Sean, what's going on? You know, just uh, today, I think, was the first day of NHL, of somewhat NHL hockey. There was some of the Young Stars tournaments started up. The Oilers played somebody, but they won 3-1, so a good start for the year there. Yeah, I think that there's some people reading in a lot more than they need to on these, like, prospect inter-squad <laughs> games and things where, like, oh, Columbus beat the Leafs. Yeah, it's like, well... Exactly zero of these players are going to be on their NHL teams this uh, this <laughs> season. So yeah, don't don't read too much into it, but it's an exciting sign for sure that hockey's nearly back. I think it's what like I think we're down under a month. A month yeah, to go. less than thirty days. I think we're down to like twenty seven or twenty eight days. Nice till October tenth. I am excited. I'm ready. I'm ready. My uh, body is ready. <laughs> yeah. So we have one more division to go through here for our kind of uh, previews of this season. Um, we'll jump right into it here. It's the Atlantic division. Um, so we'll start off with probably one of the more interesting teams this offseason. Uh, it's going to be the Boston Bruins. So last year had the best record ever in the NHL. So finished first. They had a 65-12-5 record, which is absolutely sustainable. They'll definitely reach that height again this season. Um, they had a .823 points percentage, first in this division, obviously. Um, I think it's fair to say they're going to be in for a bit of a bit of a drop. <laughs> a bit of a drop, a bit of a rude awakening, you know, a bit of a shock, probably. It's been a few years that people have been predicting that Boston's going to drop off. I think this is the first year that people can legitimately say no matter what happens, there will be a drop. Yeah. Um, it's just a matter of how big. Is it going to be a nosedive? Or is it going to be, hey, you know, they're not going to be historically good, but they'll still be a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Olmark won the Vezina, had some absolutely disgusting numbers. It's probably fair to say that he won't be replicating those numbers, just like Shesterkin didn't replicate his god-tier numbers the season after he had them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to drop... I mean, they're, they're going to look like a pretty different team. I mean, most notably, they're not going to have Patrice Bergeron, um, which is an absolute loss. Yeah, that's, I mean, one of the best two-way forwards in NHL history. He's probably going to have the trophy renamed after him at some point. Yeah. To I mean, sell there's, the trophy. there's a lot of people who feel that way. Why not? I mean, he's he's basically been the perennial contender for the last decade. How many how many times he win it? Five or six? Uh, at right? at least, like, I don't know. Probably one like of goes that, out, to be honest. Goes out on top winning it in his final season. And, um, you know, you lose, you lose your captain. You lose the presence that he had in the locker room, you lose your number one center. Like, they, they're losing a lot in, in not having Patrice Bergeron around. Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, the culture, right? Like, I think he, he's probably done a good job of, like, building the room up. And, you know, you've heard those stories where, like, Tara and Bergeron were true leaders and didn't allow, like, hazing or bullying in their room. And hopefully, like, there's a core there that kind of keeps that going and keeps, like, the identity of the Bruins alive. But... That's going to be a huge loss. Yeah. Like he's just, I mean, he's really been a captain for his whole career. I mean, he was behind Chara for a while, but I think we even talked about this, that he'd be a captain on, you know, any other team. Oh, for sure. Um, he was, you know, it, it wasn't even a case of like, oh, he wasn't the captain in Boston. It's like, 
they probably were co-captains. Yeah, only one guy can wear the C. So. Only one guy can wear the C, but like you're still going to be a captain in in the sense of the of the spirit of the word. Yeah, absolutely, a, a true alternate captain. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean he's he's leaving, and then also uh, David Krejci is also um, going back home again. Um, so again, you know, a, a long time brewing. Um, a loss it um their center depth is going to be really different coming into the season so like right now i think it's what projected to be like charlie coyle charlie coyle or pavel zaka yeah. as the number one center i think zaka was playing uh pardon me with uh the top line at some points of the season last year but you know either one of those guys it's, it's going to be um i think Either pleasant surprise or pleasant, dis- or not pleasant, but a uh, bit of a disappointment um, having them on the top line. I think Zaka is more of like a two-way guy, um, so it'll be interesting to see how he does maybe in the yeah. top top of the lineup. But I mean, offensively, Zaka basically had fifty-seven points to Bergeron's fifty-eight. Yeah. So like that's a pretty you know fair trade right there in terms of production, but you're still losing a lot of the other stuff that Bergeron had. So it's not exactly an equitable an equitable transition. Yeah, and the other thing too, right, is um, how does Brad Marchand pivot here? He's been yeah. playing with Bergeron for quite a long time. Um, you know, like when when the quote-unquote perfection line was taken apart and Pasternak was playing on a different line, um, Bergeron and Marchand were still together. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Like, how's he going to fare? Um, because, you know, they were always a dynamic duo playing at, at all different types of ice. Like, you know, they were playing power play, playing even strength, playing PK together. So can he replicate his success? You know, he had like a, a, a about a, what, I think about two-thirds season last year um, coming back from some... I think it was like hip surgery. Seventy-three games, so he basically played all season. Yeah. Okay, so him and I think him and McAvoy came back at like around the same time or so. Um, but that's a big question mark. I mean, like he's you know what thirty-five-ish. Yeah, thirty-five. Um, so what's he what's he gonna look like? I mean, is he the captain? Who's the captain here? Is it McAvoy? Do they not have a captain this year? It's also their one hundredth anniversary season, so they're doing their centennial. So. They're going to be doing a bunch of different events throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And they, I think they're even wearing different jerseys this year, like the old school blue. So it's too bad it, was all, it wasn't last season because it would have been like pretty cool to see a team be like historically good in the 100 yeah. year. It's, and, and to still have kind of most of the core of these guys who have been with the team for so long, like yeah, to absolutely. have Bergeron around for the hundred of the season. I guess example. the silver lining is like, even if they're not like as good this season, like the, at least there'll be some like fun things throughout the yeah. year that they can kind of like, and, and work on yeah, and guys like Chara out. and Bergeron will be around a lot with. Yeah. Like, a lot of guys will be around. Um, so um, I guess let's kind of give like a full rundown of like who else left the team here. So Dimitri Orlov was brought in as a pure rental didn't, didn't stick around, uh, ended up signing in Carolina. Tyler Bertuzzi, who fit in really well and, and did really well in playoffs particularly, um, he signed with a team that we'll talk about later. Um, and Taylor Hall was traded out um, to make some cap room. Uh, Nick Foligno is gone. Garnet Hathaway also brought in the deadline. He's gone. 
They also bought out Mike Riley. Um, so there's a lot of changes going on. It's not just Bergeron and Krejci. There's also quite a bit of depth there that's that's uh, on the way out. Mm-hmm. And then um, you let me know, Sean, how you think that this group of additions kind of stacks up, um, and if I miss anyone. So they brought in James Van Riemsdyk, Jesper Boquist, Patrick Brown, Morgan Geeky, Kevin Shattenkirk, Ian Mitchell. I think there might be... Oh, Lucic also. Yeah, Lucic is back. Um, anyone else I've missed there? I think that's everyone important. There might be a, a few like bottom six Looks guys. Looks like think, Alex like, Chason and Denton Heinen. Yeah. But they might be, I think they're PTOs, yeah. Um, so, obviously they went in all-in. Um, I kind of see this as like Florida, like when they went all-in, right? They had all these, these rentals and then kind of had to find a, figure out a way to replace them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what do you think about like their team, like the, the, the signings and trades that they've made to, to kind of fill the gaps? I think they, I mean, it's obviously a significant downgrade just in terms of like the year to year comparison on paper. You know, when they go and lose guys like Taylor Hall, Tyler Bertuzzi, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, and the replacements are like Morgan Geeky, James Van Riemsdyk, and Milan Lucic. You know, that's, that's a significant downgrade. And they've lost a whole bunch of players playing in their top six, and they've replaced them with guys who are playing in the bottom six. And I think instead of having two of the best top six, like two of the best top four lines in the league, they now have like half of one because, I mean, Marshan and Pasternak are still there, but the rest of it is not not that great. Um, Jake DeBrusque had a, an amazing bounce back season last year, mm-hmm. and he's going to be extremely important to see if he can kind of pick up the pace or keep up where he was last season to make up for what's been lost. But I mean, looking, looking at the cap friendly projected depth charts, when you've got Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick and Pavel Zaka is three of your top six forwards. Like that's kind of, that's going to be incredibly weak in a division like the Atlantic where they're going up against a team like Toronto, a team like um, Florida still has a lot of strength in their roster team. Like Tampa Bay has, you know, Hall of Famers at every position. Yeah. Other teams like Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo, they're all getting better. They've all done things to make the roster better, and Boston's kind of done what they can to mitigate the losses, but they've gotten worse on paper. Yeah, and they're, they're either going to have to really lean on some of these middle six, bottom six guys to take a step or really overperform with better line mates, which doesn't always work out. Or they're going to expect a guy like Fabian Lysel to come in and crack the top six, which again could be too much pressure. But like outside of him, I don't really, I'm not familiar enough with like their prospect pool. I think it's mostly just Lysel. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think that I think he is their prospect pool. Yeah, I mean the only other guy I've heard of is Brian Bussey, the goalie, just because of his name. Um, But I think he's actually supposed to be pretty good. But I think he's a bit older. None of the other. None of the other decent minor leaguers that I know of are like under the age of twenty-three. They're all already in their mid-twenties. Um, who could come in and be amazing? Um, 
but um, it's always best to kind of temper expectations, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I think I'm right there with you. There, I think it's going to be perhaps a bit more of a drop than some people are predicting. Um, I mean, they do have Pasternak, they do have Marchand, but, you know, you mentioned DeBrusque. Um, but outside of that, on forwards, it's pretty lackluster. The only, I guess, silver lining is that they have good goaltending. They haven't made any changes there. They were able to, um, you know, keep their goaltending situation together, which a lot of people expected that they were going to make a move there. Um, and then their defense is also still quite good. good. Yeah, their their top four defense when Matt Grizzlick is healthy is one of the better, the better top four in the league. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like after that third pairing. You know, you can you can make some comments there, but um, you know they got McAvoy and Lindholm, Carlo Grizzly. That's mm -hmm. that's it's pretty solid. That's solid. Um, so, you know they if Pasternak can um, replicate his season because he was like God mode before all the other guys came back into the lineup um, and really pot fifty or something. They might have a shot of, you know, cracking playoffs um, if their defense and goaltending holds up. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm, I'm predicting that Swayman and Elmer, you know, they kind of revert back down to human form. Because <laughs> it was like last season, like everything was going right. Yeah. Um, and it can't possibly be a whole other season of that, can it? Uh, I don't I don't think but if boston and i mean historically you know over the last five years goalies who have the one that one season that's completely out of this world it's not replicated the next season and i'm thinking specifically of like you mentioned sisterkin um still good but not as good or someone like connor hellebuck who kind of goes like good year bad year but he's had a couple of down years in a row too yeah he's good last year though but um a lot of a lot of those goalies will have like the one completely out of this world season and then they'll regress back to a more reasonable, you know, like average level. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I guess we're kind of in agreement then on Boston kind of dropping. The... They will. I think they should still be comfortably in a wild card position. Yeah. Uh, but that's more dependent on how the Metro goes. And yeah. how many, like how many, or how the the distribution of those two wild card spots goes? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think the race is going to be interesting this year because, like you mentioned, there's some teams that are on the up and up here in this division. Um, but will it be enough? Uh, we will see. So maybe let's move on to one of those teams that is that is kind of moving in the in the direction of making playoffs for the first time in quite a while. Um, and that is the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, so um, they last year were on the outside looking in. Um, they finished 42, 33, and 7. At 91 points, had a 555 points percentage, finished 5th in the division, 20th in the league. Um, also, uh, Rick, Rick Jenneret, um, longtime broadcaster for them, passed away this summer. Um, he was an absolute legend. Uh, has some absolutely great calls. Um, for the actual team, um, they, they brought in, what, Eric Johnson in a trade? Uh, or did he just uh, sign Signing. Um, and then they got, what, 
Connor Clifton? Or Tyson, Clifton? yeah, Tyson Yost, Connor Clifton. I think Tukarski was a re-sign. I have no idea. Um, Clegg. They didn't make any significant moves. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. That's but, like, Tyson Yost might have been a re-sign. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. I think their biggest move ultimately was Connor Clifton. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're going to look pretty similar. I think that they had moments last year where they looked really great, um, and then sometimes where they faltered a bit. Yeah, I think they had that one stretch where they were, like, the best offensive team in the league. Yeah, I mean, like, Dalene had an unreal offensive season. Um, so, I don't know. I feel like they're hard one to read. Like, it's, it's Buffalo, they... They seem to have stretches where they really struggle and then some other stretches where they look like a world beater. So I, I don't really know um, where to kind of place them. I think um, of the teams getting better in this division, I think Buffalo is the closest to breaking out and I think they're going to be the one to watch this season because they already have guys like Tage Thompson who had 94 points last season, pushing 50 goals last year. I don't imagine Jeff Skinner scores 82 points again this season, but, like, he did. And Alex Tuck, 79 points. Dalene 73 points. Dylan Cousins, 68 points. Middlestat had 59. It's like, they have a lot of players already pushing, like, superstardom if they aren't there already. And, like, we've basically just covered most of their top forward lines and their top defensive pairing. And that's getting pretty competitive yeah like they they should be consistently better once they've now had another season to develop and grow together they've got a lot of this core is still in their early to mid 20s so they've they're they're not even in their primes yet they're still getting to that area where they're going to be in their best years so this is probably going to be a big season for buffalo um we're going to see like owen power in in his sophomore year we'll see if he can like keep avoid like avoid a sophomore slump, mm-hmm. but you know, do we see? I think did him and Dalene play together top pairing? I think Dalene played with Samuelson. Looks like that's the depth chart. Is yeah, Dalene and Samuelson on the top pairing. But do we see them both on the top pairing for a little bit now that he's in the, you know, mm-hmm. got a little bit more experience? Like that could be an interesting pairing with like what, two first overall picks like that. Yeah. Um... I think I just thought of a couple of things here um, that uh, they were one point below Florida for regular season standings. So, you know, they won one more game. They could have exactly made playoffs in the, you know, another timeline. Um, but I just checked here and they were third in the league for goals for, um, and they were 26th in the league for goals against. And I think that leads us to the big question mark for Buffalo is goaltending. That's was my next point. Is that I'm not convinced in their goaltending. Um, I know that people think that Devin Levi is the second coming of Dominic Hasek, but um, I mean he played seven games and, and had a 9.05. Yeah, which for last season wasn't terrible. I think I think that's fairly respectable for goalies last season. Yeah, completely agree. But 
like to, seven games to, to pin your franchise's hopes of breaking a what like twenty year drought of playoffs onto like a a rookie goalie is mm-hmm. like and your it's, it's your, a lot. Your so. backup is Eric Comrie. Yeah, or uh, Kopeko going in. Yeah, so it's gonna be a big time question mark in net, which is exactly right. That's that's the big question is, will it be enough? Yeah, um, because last year obviously they didn't have enough defense or goaltending to to make it, and and yes, they were one point shy, but like let's not pretend that. Florida really should have made playoffs, right? Like, that was kind of a weird one-off um, sort of thing. Um, but, you know, Buffalo had a, a minus-four goal differential. Yeah, which... So, you know, typically not a playoff-ready team. Exactly. Um, and then their goaltending this season, is it going to be better? Possibly? I don't know. That's really what it comes down to. I really don't no, and this is, um, you mentioned like there's some there's some teams that are on the upswing, and you think Buffalo's going to be the closest. I'm not hundred percent sure on that if I agree or not because I think that their team, outside of goaltending, yes, but if you include goaltending, it's that big I of a don't yeah. Know if it's them or Ottawa, mm, that's fair. Um, but. That's the beauty of hockey, right? It's like this time next year <laughs> we'll know, and we don't. We have no clue. Yeah. Right now, um, but uh, I think they're gonna. I think they're definitely uh, in the mix. Like there is not gonna be a another super super disappointing Buffalo season. But I think at this point, if they don't make playoffs, like what's gonna happen? Yeah. Right. Um. But it's gonna be exciting to see if. If they get there, they've got some good young players for sure. See, they're, they're fun the, to watch. Yeah, that's what I was just gonna say. Like, even if they don't make the playoffs again, they're gonna be like one of the most exciting teams in the league to watch. The stuff that we've seen Tage Thompson do with the puck, like his stick handling, is absolutely filthy. Yeah, for such a big guy, like such yeah. a tall guy, like his stick handling, like in, in front of the net. Is, oh yeah. Like, Insanely smooth. Like he's he's incredible to watch, and just the amount of offensive talent they have, like they're going to be fun. Yeah, and just like how much better Dalene is now, like playing defense too, and like mm-hmm. um, using his body. And then like you know when they do wear the black go head jerseys, like I think Dalene said, like we love playing in those because we feel like we're the evil team, like <laughs> kind of a cool mentality. Yeah, um, and then like. Just they're 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 fast and they're fun to watch. They play an exciting style of hockey, so I think it'll be a good season to watch a lot of Buffalo games. Um, just I, I don't know about the goaltending situation, and then the other thing to keep an eye on is the Rasmus Dallin contract discussions because I think there's some reporting going on that they're they're a little far off of the the team and the player. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be more of a saga um, later in the season. There. There's no way he'd get traded or anything at the deadline. No, no, no. But, I think but like uh, he might get 10, 9.5, something like that. I think that's where he's projected to be. It's just a matter of, like, does he take a shorter deal with, with like, just to capitalize on the cap going up? I, or think, I think that's the difference right want, now, right? Because they, they probably want to lock him up long term. Yeah, but I think the player was looking at, like, four years and the team wanted six, or it was, like, the player wanted six and the team wanted eight. 
yeah. one of those types of things. Seven. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so yeah, I mean, I feel bad for spending so much time on Boston, but like, Buffalo hasn't really changed things up here. No, so. they're more or less like the ta- the same team. They didn't make any significant moves. It's mostly it's all the same core going in. Like the biggest real change and and thing is just that goaltending. Yeah, and if if Levi does play at league average. Does that get them over the hump? Yeah. Probably, right? Like, if they can just outscore league average goaltending, they're probably, they're probably going to make it. But I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> um, move on then, I guess, unless you've got anything else to say here, Sean. Um, no, not about Buffalo. We'll move on to the Detroit Red Wings. So another team that um, has been projected to be on the upswing for a while, and it's kind of like they're slowly improving, but um, it is going it is going slow. Um, so they finished last year 35, 37, and 10, 80 points below 500 at 488 points percentage, seventh in the division, 24th in the league. Um, so the the biggest news for Detroit is that they added Alex DeBrinket. Uh, they signed uh, Justin Hall um, to a uh, contract that people are are, are uh, not too pumped about, I would say. But it's like what I get three and a half, five minute, five year or something like that. I think it's two um, years. Uh, oh, three, but three point four by three. Okay, so it's like, sure, is that a bit like maybe a bit of an overpay? Sure. Is he as bad as Toronto fans and media make him out to be? No. He also has a modified no-trade clause. I found that interesting. Yeah. Ten-team no-trade list. I think that's... Which is, a, I guess that's fair. Because it's just like Steve Eiserman might not be the best guy at signing like defensive reagents um, with like the Sherratt and this deal. But like, they had cap space. It's not the biggest deal. It's just probably not the greatest team-friendly contract, but it's not like the end of the world. Yeah. Um, it's not like he signed Justin Hall to like $10 million or something. Um, they also added Daniel Sprong, who had a bit of a weird like legal issue that got brought up. I don't know if you saw that, but apparently he like, punched some Formula One driver in a bar or something. <laughs> I don't know. Kind of weird. I didn't look into that one. Kind of weird, yeah. Um, they added Shane Gostas Bear. Um, and then um, they, they traded out Dominic Kubelik, who went back to Ottawa in that uh, Debrinket trade. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing anyone there, Sean, but. Um, um, let's see. Uh, Clean Costin. Oh, right. Yeah, in the, the, the trade where they bought out uh, Yamamoto. Um, James Reimer. Oh. Uh, Brogan Rafferty, I believe, was Vancouver before, but he's also probably minor leaguer. Um, JT Comfer is new. Uh, Christian oh, Fisher. And Ndelkovic was on the way out. And so, yeah, Ndelkovic on the way out, and Petrie's in as well. Right. Yeah, that happened since I wrote these notes. <laughs> Detroit um, did a lot after. Yeah. After those notes, yeah. Um, 
So they have a pretty different blue line this year. Um, where it looks to me like they've got like one too many guys, but I, I think that's a, a okay problem to have in today's NHL, where you've got you know some depth, and uh, it's just a matter of yeah, they don't. What do they do with like who who is the odd man out? They don't have like a strong defense. They just have a lot of competition. Yeah. So it's like there isn't really a number one defender on there. No. Like I wouldn't. I, I guess more like Cider's like the number one, I guess, but um like the top pairing. Yeah, it's like he even then it's like he's he's getting there. I don't know if he's like the true number one guy right now, but like he'll be there, mm-hmm. I think. Um he'll be probably the, the minute muncher for that team. Yeah. Um and then they've also got um Edmondson. Um was supposed to be an amazing defensive prospect um, who, you know, probably won't get many games, if any, um, but maybe at the end of the season, like, depending on how their year is going, make it a couple of year, couple games here and there. Um, but, yeah, like you said, like, there's not, it's not, like, a super strong blue line, but it's just full. Yeah. Um, and actually kind of, honestly, the same kind of goes for their forwards, forwards as well. Like, they do have, a like, their top line where it's, like, that Raymond and Larkin combo, and I imagine Debrinkit's up there this year. Like, that's a really good first line. But after that, it's kind of a lot of the same type of player. Yeah, where I think that they're... They've kind of got, a, like, a bit of a preferred archetype down there where it's, like, Kopp, Kopp for Perron all seem to sort of fit the they're same... Yeah. yeah. Like, all three of those sort of fit the same, like, mold of a player. In my in my view, yeah, I think the one guy that they're probably hoping, um, you know, can can really make a difference this year is Jonathan Bergen. Um, he looked pretty great last year at times, and I think he was playing pretty down in the lineup. Um, but if you watch the highlights of that guy, he's a super smart player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that they're probably hoping he can play up in the lineup, maybe top six this year and uh see what he can do um but it's hard to see them making a substantial change in the standings yeah um as much as i want to see them get back into playoffs because i do have always had a soft spot for detroit um i don't know if it's gonna happen i mean if um the brinket gets some really good chemistry with Dylan Larkin and can kind of look like he did back in the Chicago days. Um, They might uh, start scoring some more. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know if they're going to be a super, super competitive team. I think maybe maybe at best, like, they're aiming to, like, be above 500 this year and get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little Mm -hmm. bit better. Um, You know, keep developing their young guys and not rush it. Like they've got Lucas Raymond, who really needs to bounce back. You know, Jonathan Bergeron. I um, think one one other younger guy that's really going to have the spotlight on him is Marco Casper, mm. who played in one game last season, got hurt very quickly in that game, and didn't really get a chance to showcase himself. Mm-hmm. But he's he's been touted as a bit of an Andre Kopitar type. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an important player. He's a center. 
he'll be an important player to kind of plug in somewhere and see what he can do um, and see what if he's ready because uh, he could he could make that team a lot better. He could make that forward group a lot better. Yeah, I mean, they've got, they've got no shortage of, like, prospect guys who can maybe come into the lineup. Like, they've got, like, you know, Soderblom, who's a monster. Um, they've got uh, Edvinson, who I mentioned. Um, they've got a lot of a lot of young guys. And then is it just a matter of, like, keep developing these guys until Sebastian Casa is ready to, like, take over and net? Like, is that the game plan here? Because um, it's, it's hard to see them being, like I said, just, like, absolutely ready to become a playoff team. Um, so I, I don't know. That could be that could be something they're waiting for is is guys on defense and a net to develop because then they can just go and find the forwards to to flesh that out. But the defense and goaltending take the longest. Yeah. Um, like they have a lot of guys to really be excited about. It's just I don't know if there's real spots in the lineup right now. And then, but it also is like okay, they signed Comfort to that. 5.1 five-year deal like does that really align with that that, that that's, timeline i don't know <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the bad free agent signings of the offseason yeah i mean he's a guy that can kind of play up and down the lineup but yeah like that's he had a breakout a season lot. covering the colorado avalanche's power play when like who was who was everyone he covering was hurt. hurt yeah when like, everyone was hurt and he got out the whole year i think mckinnon was hurt at times yeah so it was like him and ran and yeah, so he gets he gets even strength and power play time with Renton and puts up a lot of points and then goes and cashes in on a five by five. So that's he's not going to have that same support or the same opportunity in Detroit. So that's not likely going to be a sustainable pace for him. Yeah, because he was already incredibly streaky last season too. So this isn't like a you know he's oh he had like a really good consistent year putting up points regularly. It's like no, he was a whole bunch of points at once and then disappear for a couple of weeks when everyone was healthy again. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that is also interesting with this team is that they're, they're like slowly amassing a lot of like Michigan U S born players. <laughs> like they've added to bring He's from Michigan cops from Michigan. Larkin's from Michigan. Petrie. Okay. Yeah. Petrie. I think Petrie's, I mean, Petrie's dad played for the Detroit Tigers. Like that's where Petrie grew up is in Detroit with this. So, yeah, so it's kind of interesting to see that. And then um, I think, like, Comfort might be from the U.S. as well. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I, think it's, I think it's another year of development for Detroit. Like, just get Bergeron in there full-time. Um, maybe see if you can get uh, some of the other young guys in there, you know, playing in the NHL. See if Casper is ready to kind of rock. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, that could be that could be huge. Um, I don't know what the plan is for him. Like, if he's in, I'm assuming he's at camp. Um, if he's playing in Europe or what this year, but um, yeah, they they don't seem like they're completely ready to take the Jones spell. Not yet. I think compared to the other teams in this division, the two that we talked about. Ottawa and Buffalo that are more ready to take that jump. I think Detroit's still a step behind. Yeah. That I think Detroit's got good prospects, but I think the other teams have better. And and not just better, but more NHL ready. Mm-hmm. 
that you see the ones in Buffalo, the ones in Ottawa, they're already making an impact in the NHL, but Detroit's are kind of still finding their way in. Yeah. You do have Lucas Raymond and Morris Sider who have been impactful players in the NHL, but a lot of those other ones we're talking about with like Bergeron and Soderblom and Casper, um, they're not quite established mm-hmm. in the way that Buffalo's and Ottawa's are. So I think Detroit's still a couple of years away from really turning the corner. Yeah. But they should still they should still see improvement, maybe not in the record, but just in the on ice performance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean if they can make some more smart trades at the deadline, you know, and Gossespers in a one year deal, maybe maybe he has a good offensive year when you flip him out. Um, yeah, they're it is difficult to see them really advancing much past yeah. like the middle of the yeah, because that, that, that middle of the Atlantic is jam-packed right now yeah. with Buffalo, Ottawa, probably Boston, probably Florida, all competing for, like, two spots, like, yeah. basically fighting for, like, three, four, five in the division. Yeah. That it's it's going to be hard for Detroit to break in there. I would agree. Uh, so let's let's talk about Florida then. Uh, so coming off Perfect the, cycle. Uh, the uh, Stanley Cup final appearance, uh, as mentioned, they made playoffs by one point here, so they finished 42, 32, and 8, 92 points. A 5-6-1 point percentage, finished 4th in the division, 17th in the league, so bottom half of the league uh, made all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals, so um, pretty wild that that happened. Um, Pretty cool though too that that can happen. Yeah, I mean it's the the joy of the joy or the fun of hockey we were talking about earlier. Who knows what's gonna happen? Yeah, who would have like, predicted, predicted that? Literally, uh, literally, I don't like. Did any bracket <laughs> submitted for the NHL bracket challenge have Florida making it even out of the first round? No, you know that type of thing. Just see me get stomped by the best team that's ever been. Um, so they've they've had a kind of a busy off season. So. They've added Evan Rodriguez, um, Oliver Ekman Larson, uh, what is it, Sammy Mikola, uh, Steven Lorenz. Uh, Miko from New York? Miko? Mikola. Miko Mikola. Miko. Is yeah. it? Okay. Okay. I just had the last name. Right yeah, now. Miko Mikola. <laughs> uh, Kulikov, Miko Kulikov, uh, Anthony Stolarts, Mike Riley, who was bought out by Boston. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anyone there. Any, any um, other additions? Ekman Larson. I mentioned him yet. I don't think anybody majorly significant. Uh, they they lost both the stalls. Um, and Radko Gudis. Both the, yeah, both the stalls. Radko Gudis, Alex Lyon. Yeah. And Giovanni Smith. So, yeah. So. So they didn't lose, you know, Gudis, Gudis was a, an important part of their defense, but I think they replaced that with the combat. I mean, I think Kulikov, and he's not this physical, but they're a similar defensive defender type. Yeah, I think that, that they can absorb that loss. It's, um, it's going to be potentially rough for them, though, on the blue line starting the year because Ekblad and Montour are both out, I think, until... Uh, like a, a month or a couple in, um, so if you look at their blue line right now, like on their it's like they've got uh, a pretty cheap defensive team here. Yeah, it's pretty rough. 
So they've got uh, Gustav Forsling, Nico Mikola, Oliver Eckman Larson, Mike Riley, Dmitry Kulikov, Josh Mahura, uh, Lucas Carlson. Yeah. So uh, that, you know, that's that's kind of the, they don't, you know, Forsling, great. He actually is very underrated. He was yeah. extremely solid. So he's, I think he's fine taking I out a top pair role. And he normally plays with Ekblad, I believe. Um, so that. That's a good sign, fine. but um, but the rest of these guys looking. Josh Mahura played in the in the finals. Um, he looked okay. I think he got taken advantage of a little bit by Vegas, yeah. but you know he, he's a serviceable bottom pairing guy. But the rest of these guys, I think you would ideally want them probably on that bottom pairing. Yeah. So, um, and then you know OEL looked like he was skating in molasses in Vancouver too. So, and was playing pretty pretty up there minutes in Vancouver and looked bad. So it's yeah. like if he's going to be playing a lot of minutes in Florida, how's that going to look? I mean, the assumption on my end is the same, um, but maybe different system works better for him. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cheap. Yeah. You've got to hold out until those guys come back, but, you know, That's... those guys up the lineup i don't know how it's going to work yeah because i mean i wouldn't expect ekblad back too soon considering his entire body was broken yeah at the end of the playoffs uh, but yeah. he's also a hockey player i think montour had some pretty pretty rough yeah injuries too. Uh, here we go um, but yeah ekblad specifically i think had like a broken foot and then like a pulled quad or like a, something happened with his quad or something too and abdominal. Oh, he had an oblique, I think. He just had like a whole bunch of crap happening to him. Definitely a hockey player. Um, but Montour, I'm not sure. I think that one's probably just as important for them to get back into the lineup. Yeah. Um, so this update from the middle of August is with um, Panthers GM Bill Zito said they're on track, like they're on pace with their recovery, they're on schedule. And he was making a comment about it, like probably in a month or two, they'll be, you know, back on the ice or getting in. So they could be, they could be getting to the ice by the end of training camp. Because a couple of months from that interview is going to be when the season starts. So they very well could be, you know, in the lineup for opening night. Maybe, maybe they miss the first couple of weeks. So it might not be too, too detrimental. Okay, not that his shoulder injury, his shoulder surgery mm-hmm. I think um, it's both of them actually is is the same or both having shoulder surgery yeah so depending on how the healing goes the rehab goes it could be back better than I guess was originally anticipated but if they're both not in the lineup that's a pretty big loss for Florida um, they also had an injury that happened to uh, Matthew Kachuk, um, and it looks like he's almost ready to rock. I think he just said like a couple days ago that he was like... I think, yeah, he said he's recovered, he's yeah. in better shape than ever, so he's going to be good to go, which is Massive. amazing for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. by far their best player, by far the energy, the driving force behind that, that unexpected playoff run. Yeah. 100%. So um, they definitely need him in the lineup like immediately because 
if their defense is going to be bad, they at least need something going on at forward. And they do still have like Barkov and Verhage, who are amazing. But Matthew Kachuk's just got that X factor to him. Yeah, he's just the identity guy. Like he's just, it's just that's that's the guy that's who they traded for. That's what they got. Um, so he's he's definitely their their guy. Um, I see them as like it depends on those injuries. Like if if Ekblad and Montour are out, I I think it's gonna be a, a rough start to the season for them. But if they're healthy and ready to go, like first, like for opening day, then. I don't see a reason why they shouldn't improve on their record. Um, it's more or less the same guys. Yeah. It's just a different supporting cast here. Yeah, like exactly. A lot of the core is the same. They've got a few improvements. Like Evan Rodriguez is, he had that bit of a breakout offensive season. That was a, you know, that was a good little stretch for him the last little bit there, but We'll see how he does in this new in this new environment, but I mean, Florida's an offensive team, just yeah. like Colorado. So, like, I don't should, see any reason work. why he shouldn't be. Uh, he's kind of like that Swiss Army type guy, mm-hmm. right? Where he can play, you know, and he can generate offense on whatever line. There was that stretch where he he had all of the like talent or chances, but zero finish. Like that was the criticism in, against him in in Pittsburgh, was that he had zero finish. He'd get all these chances and just could not score, but he was good at pretty much anything else. Yeah, so, you know, Florida's a team that capitalizes on their chances, so, you know, if he, he can get in there and get chances, I think that's that's good. Um, and the one thing that uh, we haven't mentioned yet is, um, I, look, I think Spencer Knight is expected to be back with the team this Which season. is great news. Which is really good news for him, just for, you know, the seeing the player assistance program work um, is really cool. Um, but yeah, like their, their depth of goalie is immediately better. He's back on the team too. Yeah. So yeah. Cause who, know, who knows what version of Bobrovsky we get? Cause I mean, there's the version that's getting overtaken by the backup every season. That's, you know, uh, getting his $10 million contract voted as the worst in the league. But then there's also the version of him that was, good enough to help the Panthers get to where they did in the playoffs. Yeah, and all these guys, like, you know, the core guys that are coming back from the playoff run, like, that was the longest run they've ever been on in their NHL careers. So, like, how's Bobrovsky going to come back from that, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we saw the pictures where he's, like, super slight, you know, like... How much, yeah, how much water weight he loses during the game. so it's like, you know, playing that much further into the year... What effect does that have on his body and how wet ready he is to go for game one? Right? So we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, like I mentioned, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be a better team yeah. this year. I think uh, year two of Paul Maurice, um, year two of Matthew Kachuk, um, I think they're going to be pretty much the same team, um, minus the Stahl brothers, which I think. That's probably an improvement. Is, is an improvement, <laughs> um, but for for your for your franchise, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I don't know if they get better in the in their standings in their record just because of the way the division's shaping up and the way their like closest competitors are either the same or better as well. But I don't like they should still be a super competitive team within their with where they are. Yeah, I just think they're gonna be better than seventeenth. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know, like in the inside the division, like 
they were they were fourth in the division. That seems like three or four maybe for them, or even as high as second. Yeah, I could see, but yeah, I think that they'll be they'll, they'll probably have a better overall. Um, well, I mean, hell, even standings. if they had even won two more games, they would have been, I think, like. 12th or 13th yeah you so, know so it, it's it's like they probably won't get too too much better but it's just like those those little things because they had a stretch at the beginning of the season where they were terrible yeah. right like they were they were like well out of the playoffs they were nowhere near anything that was going on they just had that amazing stretch at the end of the year that caught them up a whole bunch mm-hmm. so even if they win like two more of those games last season like they're they're up in the standings now they're still fourth in the division but they end up being 12th or 13th in the league. Yeah. So like that's that's how tight things were within that that spot in the division or in the league. Yeah, bit of a log jam there for mm-hmm. sure. Um, okay, well we'll move on to the next team here, um, which uh, is the Montreal Canadiens. Last year they finished last in the division, uh, 28th in the league. They had a 31. 45 and 6 record. They had a 68 point season and a 415 points percentage. Um, they also haven't really done too, too much. Uh, they added Alex Newhook um, to their contract and then they traded out Joel Edmondson. Um, and, and Jeff Petrie. And they've added Casey to Smith. Yeah, and they also lost. So I think they're shopping. I think they're shopping Casey Dismith. Yeah, either one of him or Allen, because I don't think they need both. Yeah. But um, they also lost Drew and um, Gurianoff was a rental. Right. A um, couple of guys who didn't play a whole lot, and Anthony Richard, Corey Schooneman, and Chris Tierney. So, yeah. You know, it's it's largely the same roster. Yeah. Which I... Like, the Habs are, like, my second team, and I, I don't particularly care for the lack of action and i'm not sure (laughs) yeah it's it's like they don't they're not good enough to they don't have a good enough prospect pool they're not good enough to compete like they don't have the guys ready to jump up from Mm -hmm. the minors that i'm aware of like they've got a few good prospects but i don't think any of them are going to be the game changers that would suggest oh yeah we shouldn't do anything this offseason unless unless their goal is to just get through the year they did with Stefan Wuderai, Slavkovsky, maybe to play a full year. I actually heard you might start the year in the minors. Oh, really? That there are... It's probably I mean, the best thing, I mean, honestly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing. I would say it's a good thing for him to, you know, get a chance down there to find his game again. Because he wasn't, like, a standout, like, first overall pick in his debut. No, and then he got injured. And then he got hurt and missed half the season, so... You know, I th- I'm wondering, you know, Habs are still a bit early in the rebuild. Maybe they just aren't worried too, too much about turning the corner yet. They see the trajectory that, like, Buffalo, Detroit, and Ottawa are on. And, like, yeah, we'll give it a couple years so we can just move up on our own. Yeah. You know, maybe that's kind of the, the organizational direction they want to take. So. Could be. We'll see how it works for them because they were, they were a challenging team to beat sometimes they had a lot of a lot of these guys who came like completely out of nowhere like Raphael Harvey Pinard and Michael Pizzetta and Arbor Jacke 
Like they all yeah. kind of came out of nowhere and just established themselves as solid players, which was really exciting to watch. Didn't they draft that guy's brother too? They did, yeah. yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, which is which is cool. They got the you know the Jack guy pairing, Fabian or Florian or something. One of those two. Um, so that's that's cool. But yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, like they haven't really done anything. It's just the well, same. Yeah. Um, so I think they're they're gonna be at the bottom. There's no other way. There's no other spot for them to be, really. Like there's the teams in front of them. The same. The same three teams: Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. They all got better. They're all getting better, and they were already tw- like the worst of them. Detroit was already twelve points ahead of Montreal last season. So for the Habs to not do anything, like, and then they're not they're not going to get better. They just I think they've just accepted their fate. Like I said, is is yeah, we're not competing right now. We'll just kind of wait it out for a couple years. Yeah. May you know maybe they go and they really want Macklin Celebrini. You know. I guess so, which is fair. So yeah, I guess we will see them at the bottom. It'll be interesting. Um, Cole Caulfield, because I think he just signed. Yeah, he just signed his giant deal, right? Eight years, seven point eight five million per year. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop, because he's kind of had. We've kind of seen like two sides to his game, because there is you know his debut when he was fantastic. Then he struggled for a bit, and then Marty St. Louis came in, mm-hmm. and then he was amazing. Yeah, and he went down to the minors for a bit too, right? He did. Only, only, he only has six games in the minors, but, I mean, he had five points, so. But he also had 26 goals, 36 points, and 46 games last year. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop, because there's always a bit of that storyline around him and, like, his height and his size and stuff, is he able to hold up on his own? It's like, well, so far he's been fine. Yeah, it's just a matter of, like, does he play a full season? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's a lot of money for, for a guy who has a career high of 43 points and has never played more than 67 games after, you know, three seasons with NHL time. That's true. Um, but I guess they see him as someone who can score on a team that there's not a whole lot of guys that can score. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, and then him and Suzuki just have unreal chemistry. So I think yeah. if you can have those guys both locked up for long term, then you, you have to do that. And it's, yeah, right. Those two are going to be the core of the core in the face of the franchise as they turn the corner. I mean, Suzuki's already the captain. He's destined to be a captain in the, on this team for a long time. Yeah. Because there's no real reason they trade him anytime soon. Yeah. So they're going to be the core. You want to lock them up. You said, like you said, they have amazing chemistry. Like it's probably worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll move on to another Canadian team, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Last year, um, I think was a disappointing year for them. Um, I think this record is a little bit, um, I don't know, you have to take it with a grain of salt because they definitely kind of had their season fall apart on them at the end of the year. So they finished 39, 35, and 8. 
86 points, uh, 5 to 4 points percentage, 6th in the division, and 21st overall in the league. Yeah. Um, they were in the mix for a wild card spot, and then they just kind of got surpassed by Florida in that and fell out of the race. Um, but they were only six points back. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a disappointing year for them because they were apparently done the rebuild and ready for playoffs, as, as Dorian said. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, they had a, a kind of a, I don't know, what do you want to call this off season, but they had, they traded to Brinkett. So after a year, they, they got rid of him. Which like, I don't know, that wasn't very, that wasn't a very good arrangement. No, it wasn't they, a good trade to get him. They didn't really give him the they gave up a pretty pretty good draft pick. Yeah. Um, they they had a year of him and then traded him and got that less loss. back than they than they gave up for him. They took a risk, which is something you got to give them props for. Yeah. They did take a risk. Um, it just didn't it work didn't. out. Um, and so Debrinket's gone. Um, Cam Talbot's also gone. Um, and they've brought in Dominic Kubelik in that trade for Debrinket, uh, Corpus Allo, Zach McEwen, and they also got uh, HR Garrett Bilon, who played in the uh, Capitals organization and um, won the HL. Did you mention Tarasenko? I did not, but Tarasenko yeah. was also new. So Tarasenko in, in Ottawa, uh, so he's kind of their second line scorer to replace Debrinket, essentially. Yeah, so depending on how you look at that, um, you know, an older guy um, has a cup. Um, Thinks he should be a captain. Yeah, um, but still a good player and, and has developed his passing game more than um, he used to have. Because, mm-hmm. like, last year I think he didn't have, like, an a, like amazing standout offensive season but he did do fairly okay um you know uh, on on the st louis blues who sucked for scoring you know 10 goals 19 assists 29 points in 38 games and then when he made it to the rangers eight goals 13 assists in 31 games so 21 points 31 games so for a guy i think he's historically had after more goals than assists. Yeah, he's always been a bit of a goal scorer. Um, yeah, it's either been equal or slightly more goals. So, yeah. you know, just a little bit more skewed towards the assist side, which is a good sign. I mean, he's gone through a lot of shoulder injuries, so maybe it's just the adjustment he's had to make. But yeah. it's also a good sign for the Senators that they're getting someone who can score, but is also going to be able to, like, be a playmaker if they need a bit. Yeah, and so I think at this year before the trade he might have been held out of the lineup um, but you know, having some injury concerns as well um, but he is a, a, a good veteran player um, we'll see if he can put up 60 points maybe for them something like that mm-hmm. um, Dominic Kubelik is a guy pardon me that can really shoot the puck um, so he, I mean at times in Detroit he was like also the only guy scoring um, yeah he basically i mean the beginning of last season he went on a tear early on had a whole bunch of points in the beginning of the year and then i think the last half of the year he did literally nothing yeah 
and again, Detroit, I guess, traded out a bunch of potential guys that were his line mates at the deadline and everything, right? So mm-hmm. um, he's a guy that can play a power, like power play too. I mean, like when he broke into the league in Chicago, he was a power play guy too. Um, so, I mean, he's no Debrinket, but, you know, he's a he's a solid middle six guy that they can have. Um, and then um, they bring in Corpus Allo. So it's going and apparently Forsberg is ready to go, which is incredible considering both of his knees exploded, <laughs> exploded on him. That was tough to watch. I thought yeah. he was done in the NHL. Oh yeah, um, but apparently he has been good for a while. Which um, that's amazing to hear because he was actually doing pretty solid for for the Senators. And they had said that he might have been ready for playoffs, which if, I if I knew it. blows my mind that he would have been because that that happened pretty late in the season. I don't, I don't believe that he would have been healthy, but I think he would have played. Um, but it would have been the return of the stand-up bully. I really, I really like Anton Forsberg, so I really hope that he is truly like that yeah. to form. Yeah, because the amount of, of wear and tear on a goalie's knees, like, for the oh, injury that, that just, he had. That was rough to watch. Like, yeah. And his own guy, I think, just falling on him. I think it, it was an oiler fell onto him, but I can't remember if it was just crease activity or if his own guy pushed an oiler onto his legs it was, it was onto his lap real rough one yeah um so yeah a bit of a different look for ottawa and uh, crease um going into next season and then another big storyline for them is that they re-signed jake sanderson to a pretty lucrative deal for him um it was like an eight million uh eight-year deal um, so what do you think of that one? I think, I think it's going to be a great contract. I think it is very soon to sign that contract. Yeah. I mean, I was curious when you were <laughs> talking about Caulfield and how it's like, oh, you signed this guy, he's got a career high of 43 yeah. and it's like, here's Sanderson playing one season Yeah, and they, they sign him to this big deal. I think it's way too soon to give him that contract, but I also think that Sanderson's the type of guy that is going to be worth it. I agree. I think, yeah. I, I think it's, it's kind of, I, I see it in gamble, the same... but I think it's worth it. Yeah. In the same um, category as that Dreisaitl one, where he got a lot early on before he really showed it, yeah. or before he maybe would have deserved it in air quotes. Mm-hmm. But I think he's the type of defender the type of player who is going to be worth it. Yeah. You know, in, in three, four years, it's going to be one of the best contracts in the league when all the other defenders that are comparable level to him are making 9, 10, 11, 12 million. Yeah. Sanderson's down there at eight. Yeah, I think he just showed that he's a special player yeah. and that he's ready to play whatever yeah. a team wants him to do. And I think this also fits the trend of what Ottawa's doing with this... Um, with this iteration of the team, with this rebuild, where they're kind of locking up these guys early. Yeah, absolutely. Um, granted, the only two who have gotten like the full eight years has been Stutzla and, and Sanderson, but even giving a longer deal to Kachuk, the longer deal to Batherson, like that's their core. Yeah. So I think they're, I think that's the trend. It's the same thing Buffalo's doing, yeah. it seems, but it's that trend of giving them the giving them more money now banking on them developing to make it a value contract in the future. Yeah, I think it's, it's def- there's definitely some risk there, but I think Sanderson, yeah. like, it's just, it's it's potentially a bargain now, whereas if you waited until 
midway or the end of this season to sign him, you would have had to pay more. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a smart move. And I think if you look at their defense right now, I think it looks pretty solid. That it, <laughs> I was just looking at that. Like, that is so good. Like, I'm, like... I'm a little jealous of, like, how young um, their, their, play, their, their defensive lineup right. is and how good it is. Um, I mean, like, you know, like, there's some players that still need to grow their game a bit. And, like, I think, like, Thomas Shabbat gets a bit of a bad rap for, like, defensive play. But also, I think he's, like, consistently, like, playing almost 30 minutes a night. Yeah, he's, um, he's a minute muncher. He, for how many of those years after Carlson, he was the yeah, only defender the team had. play a more reasonable amount of time now. Mm-hmm. Now that um, there is a second pairing that they can split in with. And also, yeah. you know, him not needing to be the entire pairing because he's got Chikorin, who is per- perfectly competent at... Yeah. yeah, part of the game on his own. But yeah, you've got Thomas Shabbat, who's 26. You've got Jacob Chikrin, who's 25. Bartem Zub, 27. Eric Brandstrom, 24. Uh, we've got Travis Hamannick, who's on the other side of 30. Jake Sanderson, 21. And then we've got Jacob Bernadotte, or as like their um, seventh guy, who's 23. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that is just, like... I don't, I don't know if masterclass, but it's like that's that's pretty solid. And you know what's amazing is like defenders, I mentioned it earlier, like defenders and goalies go into their primes later. So they've got these guys, like kind of that core of their defense with Shabbat and Chikrin especially. Like they're just kind of going into that late 20s when the defender seems to like hit their peak. Yeah. As their younger forward group is getting better year over year. Like how good was Stutzel last year? How what good was oh, Brady yeah. Kachuk's breakout? Yeah. Like, these forwards are just getting into their best years as the defense, like, their best defense defenders are getting into the best years. It's all coming together. Like, it's... They have a very strong roster. Mm -hmm. And, like, I fully believe you when... Or, like... um, I see, like, what you were saying earlier about maybe Ottawa being the team to to jump ahead over Buffalo because of the strength of the roster. It's going to be pretty close. Yeah. And, honestly, it might be both. It could be. Um... But um, I, I, got a, I got a hot take that I'm I'm waiting for when we get to the team that we're talking okay. about. Okay. <laughs> um, that you know it'll be interesting to see how Corpusallo handles Ottawa. Yeah, I and mean, that's definitely a risk because they signed him to what a five-year deal. Yeah, yeah. Because he's been he's shown glimpses of being great, but he's also I think his best has his best kind of stretches been behind better teams. Has he really um, shown the ability to be the game changer? Because sometimes Ottawa's defense and and defensive side of the game is a bit weak. Yeah, I mean, like I think he played pretty well in L.A. when he got there. Um, but what stands out to me the most for Corpusala was when he was in playoffs for Columbus against um, Toronto, and they had like those monster overtime games. Um, or like, you remember that series where like almost every game went to overtime? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at that, and he had like a 9.41 and a 1.90. And that's a nine game too, so that wasn't just like a fluke over of one series. Yeah, and so like he's shown glimpses of being good, but again, that was like 2019-2020. Yeah, so that was so that's quite like, a while ago. So I don't know, but like he's kind of been all over the place. Like... Um, and it's hard to say because he spent all that time in Columbus. So, yeah, you have no idea. Like, And he's played behind Merzlikens. Sometimes he's been ahead of Merzlikens. Um, he, he played behind Bob 
right? Like, yeah. I don't know. So um, it's a risk for sure. I think that's, again, like you can see a parallel there, right, with um, Buffalo is goaltending because yeah. the rest of the team looks pretty pretty good. And, like, you know, there's guys that are coming up at the same time. And, and another thing for Ottawa here is that Josh Norris is – probably going to come back yeah from and that's there. that's huge for the offensive depth and so for their especially for their center depth like they're, they're going to be pretty pretty good and i think um like tara tarasenko plays wing and i think claude Giroux is playing same the same wing i think he offered to switch sides so that they could maybe pump up the top six a bit Giroux more. and tarasenko you mean yeah i think Giroux offered to like play his offside or something oh yeah so um i think that they're they're top nine um should be pretty pretty strong yeah and i guess we should also mention here that they they need to sign a couple guys they need to sign shane pinto and um, agar sokolov and they don't have space to do it so um there's a lot of talking heads out there that are they're thinking that they might trade a guy but it's such a limited trade market right now that like who what are you gonna have to do because the names that I keep seeing are Matthew Joseph and Eric Brandstrom. Like, Joseph is probably the guy that you want to trade mm-hmm. um, at a three million three-year contract, um, compared to Brandstrom, who's two years one year, um, and I think he had a pretty solid year last year. But they've got to kind of make some money moves to be able to sign those two guys. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a good year for both those teams. It's just a matter of what is it? What happens in net? <laughs> so yeah, I think that they'll they'll definitely be in the mix. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to watching their games because, you know, like you said, uh, Tim Stutzla was was unreal last year. Um, him and Brady Kachuk playing together. Um, I want to watch that. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make an effort to watch more Ottawa games this year um, just because I'm excited to see if they can finally make playoffs again because the last time they were in playoffs was... Uh, was that the Carlson year? Carlson, like 2017. Yeah. The the amazing stretch pass. Carlson just put that team on his back. I watched a highlight reel where it was just Carlson in yeah. that playoff run, and it was like, holy crap. Well, you would do, you All you would do is need to rename that the Ottawa Senators highlight reel, and that would, <laughs> they would fill the same... like. <laughs> The it was same insane. Thing. It was he was lights out. Yeah, and it was like Clark MacArthur, and like a bunch of like Kyle Turris. Yeah, <laughs> like a bunch of guys who it's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, it's like oh yeah, Eric Carlson. Right. Yeah, that's that that was the guy. Yeah. Um. So I I'm I, like Buffalo. I'd be really pumped to see go in playoffs again. Ottawa. I'd love to see in playoffs again. I'd love to see Detroit in playoffs again. I don't think that's gonna happen, but. Both of those teams, I would love to see them go back in. I think it'd be so awesome for their fans. Like they've had such a downtrodden path yeah. for the last, you know, decade. And it's been so hard. Like I mean, we talk about Buffalo's playoff drought and how miserable they've been as an organization for the last couple decades, or for the last like what 10, 15 years. You know, Ottawa going through all this stuff with like with ownership and not spending and the arena and. You know this off season's ownership change, which should be made official soon, apparently. Yeah, and so like you mentioned with the spending, it's like, how many years ago was it where you this would be inconceivable that Ottawa would have to make a trade to, to be able clear to clear cap space? Yeah, 
Right. So it's like yeah. like well, four years. You're like, oh, like you need to make this happen. It's like just pinch yourself to remind yourself, like <laughs> this never would have used to happen. Think of four <laughs> years ago when Mark Stone and Eric Carlson were traded because they didn't want to pay them. Exactly. You know, you had to trade all your good players because you couldn't afford to keep them. Whereas now, we're locking them in for eight years yeah. at eight million. And it's so that's such a, a a good sign for the team, for the fans, for the fan base, for the city, like. To, to have, and hopefully the new guy coming in is, you know, on board with that philosophy too. You've got to spend to, you got to spend to the cap. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess you, you're, you're kind of sitting, you think Buffalo is going to be the team um, that makes it. Um, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know, I guess I'll put, put my, uh, my bet on Ottawa. We'll see. We'll see. You know, we usually we go with the same or pretty similar. So once in a while, we have to differ. Go either way, you're going to yeah. end up in both. Um, okay, you ready for my hot take here? Oh, it's going to be about this team. Okay, let's let's hear it. Yeah. So Tampa Bay uh, last year was 46, 36, uh, 98 points, 598 points percentage, finished third in the division, 13th in the league. I think that they are going to regress and not make playoffs. More than Buffalo, more, regress more than or Buffalo, <laughs> regress more than Boston. Pardon me. I think they're going to be maybe maybe hand in hand with where Boston is in the, in the standings. I think that Tampa Bay is on the downswing, and uh, Victor Hedman looked like he wasn't Victor Hedman last year. Was he playing hurt? Probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. I mean, the guy probably played like an extra. 500% hockey <laughs> over the last right. like, five years. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think it's caught up to them. I think that uh, the consistent long playoff pushes and the trades and the, the, the dilution of the depth that they've been able to get back into their lineup is, is going to come up bite them this year. I think you make a very good point about that depth as I bring up like their depth chart. I mean, they they can stack everything on the top line like Stamkos, Kucherov, and, and oh, points. Yeah. They could like the, they the top end that. players are still there. So However, like, while they're there, they could still definitely make a, a push. In, oh, for in the sure. Playoffs. But then you go down below that, and like their left wing depth below Stamkos, Brandon Hagel, Connor Sherry, Logan Brown. Their center depth after after points after well, I guess point and Stamkos, you know Sorelli, Nick Paul, and Luke Lendenning. On right wing, they've got Tanner Janot, Michael Acemont, and Tyler Mott. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... I see exactly what you mean about, like, the, the complete loss of their depth with all of these trades, with the players they've had to lose and give up on. Like, there's been a few of their key pieces on those second and third lines that they've they've had to, you know, get rid of. Like, Yanni Gord, like, um, Kalorn. Yeah, Coleman. Um, Coleman. A lot. Yeah, and and they've had to lose those players. Yeah, but the players they're bringing in aren't quite the same quality. So yeah, they can go and stack everyone on the top line, but they're probably going to find they have to break up their star players just to find some depth throughout the lineup and at least have like a super strong top six. Yeah, but I like I see exactly what you mean, and I I don't I don't disagree with the take that you know they're on the downswing compared to other teams on the upswing. Yeah, I, I just think it's gonna be like 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 
you know, the point of the top the top end players, like they're still there and they're still absolutely different make difference makers. I mean, it's but. it's when when a team has like how many people on this on this roster right now? They probably got four or five players who are going to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like for sure four, and then for sure four. Braden Point is a maybe right now. Yeah, maybe. So he could be the fifth. But yeah, like Kucherov, Stamkos, <clears throat> Hedman, Vasilevsky are for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got that many Hall of Famers on one roster. You can't. You oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I almost, I almost gave you a weird look. <laughs> Bobo for Norris. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I just think that it's like it's it's got to catch up with them at some yeah. point. So why not now? Look, they I mean, already had a bit of a struggle last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was there was a stretch. I mean, in the beginning of the season, where they didn't look like they were going to make the playoffs at all. I think they were sitting out of a spot for a while, because I think uh, who was it? Detroit and one Detroit and Buffalo started the season really well, and Tampa Bay was on the outside looking in until like November or December. Yeah. So this team is one one injury away to from from facing that same thing. I mean, yeah, they have Vasilevsky net. He's been very consistent and very reliable year after year after year. But I think even he mentioned that the fatigue or, like, he needs more support. Yeah, like, he, he looked tired in playoffs. Yeah, and now And they lost to Toronto, don't forget. <laughs> so that's got to be something in there, too, right? Like, you lose to Toronto. In the first round, like, you're something's wrong. That curse transfers on to you. That's yeah. how it works. You know, they they lose one of, those, one of those four or five Hall of Famers, and suddenly their roster looks very pedestrian. Yeah, I think that uh, the depth is just a little... A little weak, but there's still some guys that can maybe like pump it up a bit here. Like, oh, for sure. Like, Nick uh, Paul had a great stretch, yeah. Brandon Hagel's developed really well. You know, does Tanner Juneau kind of get back to where he was pre trade and pre injury? Uh, yeah, I think he was hurt when he was mostly in Tampa, so that's why he kind of didn't play as well as he maybe did that first season in Nashville. Yeah, but um, and then you look yeah. at their, their defense, like it's it's Sergeyev and Hedman, and like, yeah, like Hedman looked human last year and I think maybe it's injury and he can um you know maybe maybe he'll be better this year um and then Chernak I think is a is a good defenseman um but uh after that like it looks a little suspect where it's I'm looking at cap friendly I don't know what the D pairings are going to be like but it's like Nick Perbix, Zach Bogosian, um Calvin DeHaan Aiden Fleury, Darren Radish, um, and then yeah. Um, so I guess they got Philly yeah. Miners in the Philly Miners in the Miners. <laughs> Philly Miners in the Miners. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that that's an incredibly scary defense. No. Um, like they've got obviously the top end talent there. And like Chernak's a good defensive guy, but um, you know we were just talking about Ottawa. It's like you know they've got some some heavy hitters well, in there. Yeah, I mean I'm looking at you know Hedman is in a class of his own, and he makes the defense better than that. But we look at go and compare to Ottawa's top four to Tampa's, and yeah. like they're you know they're not they're not too far off. Yeah, like they're not. They're not that far. I don't know off, if so I'd go like, so far as the hot take of saying I'd take Ottawa's top four over Tampa's because of head, you know, just because of the headman factor. 
No, yeah, like, like the top the top end talent is is better on Tampa, but like Edmonds thirty two, turning thirty three, I think this season, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, it's uh, he can't play as many minutes I don't think no. as he has in his career. So, you know, it's, it's I don't know. It just seems like they're they're kind of destined to to regress at lose some, some lose some ground. Struggling, like you said, at times during last regular season. So, you know, the fatigue. Maybe they have a bit of a rest this year compared to the years prior. Um, you know, not coming off of a uh, finals loss, too. Yeah. Right. Um, so maybe they're less fatigued. Maybe they come back, you know, more rested and ready to go than they did last year. So that's a complete possibility. But, um, I just think if you look at some of the other teams in this division, that the, the top-end talent, sure, but the depth, the scoring depth particularly, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a fair take. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say they're going to miss the playoffs, but I, I do... thinking on my part. If, yeah, it would be on mine too. Um, but I definitely see the logic and where that's coming from, especially as like we had gone through all these other rosters and like how deep and how strong they look. And then you look at Tampa's and it's like, okay, well they're actually not that much better than anyone, especially the depth. So I, I honestly, it's probably going to be a battle for Tampa. Like they, they will probably find themselves in that battle for three to six as well. Well, and right? we, we talked about the Metro and just how good it was too. Right. Like, so it's like, it's going to be hard to kind of get that, um, wildcard spot. And I don't know if Tampa is good enough to get like the divisional spots. Mm-hmm. So, if they're not in like those top end spots, I don't, I don't know if they're gonna be better than some of the teams in the match. Yeah, so, that, and that's a good point too. Um, but like, like, like I said, they they could come out firing this year compared to last year. They looked flat. So, you know, I just wanted to give a little bit of a hot take somewhere. <laughs> Why not give this to Tampa? <laughs> um, Okay, anything else you wanted to say about those guys, or should we move on to uh, everyone's favorite team? Let's move on to the favorite team. I can't wait. I guess we didn't even mention like, who they had. They had Connor Sherry, and they lost Pat Murray. Is that literally it? I think that's more or less it. But anyway. Uh, I guess their backup goalie, uh, Jonas Johansson. Well, we, uh, at one point, it's called the worst goalie in the NHL <laughs> by his own, his own team's media. <laughs> um, they also lost Pierre-Edward Belmar and Ian Cole. And um, where does Josh Archibald fall into this? Uh, <laughs> he was an addition and a subtraction. Yeah, he apparently does not, not going to play hockey. Yeah, he, he it, it was weird because he signed in Tampa and then he went there, like spent some time in the city with the team and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm turn like, let's, so that was a weird one um did you mention they signed Dahan? I, I think he's new to there i mentioned him in the d-line but i didn't say okay he was new yet. Yeah, and and tyler mott they just signed yeah tyler tyler mott. Mott. I, I, I really like tyler mott I yeah hope, i hope he does well i hope I he gets, gets regular playing <laughs> <laughs> gets traded to the rangers again <laughs> yeah exactly. um yeah all the best to tyler mott he's a cool guy um and i always find it weird that he Ends up like taking so long to sign somewhere. Like, uh, like I don't know if there's like no interest until like very late. Yeah, could be one yeah, of those guys. But like he, he's good at what he does, and he tries, and he puts in a lot of effort. Mm-hmm. I don't know why more teams aren't jumping on that. Maybe he wants too much money, and they don't want to pay him. Um, 
Anyway, finally, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we saved for last in our entire previews. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Toronto last year had a really good year. They finished uh, second in this division and fourth in the league. They finished with a 50, 21, and 11 record and 111 points. Um which normally probably would have been close to first in the division, but, you know, they were behind the best team the NHL has ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, with 135 points, um, which was absolutely gross. But Toronto got their revenge because they ended up uh, signing Tyler Bertuzzi, who was on Boston um, for the playoffs, at least. Um, and they also signed uh, Max Domi, uh, Ryan Reeves, for, for reasons, uh, John Klingberg, Dylan Gambrell, uh, um, else I'm missing there. Uh, the savior, Martin Jones. Martin Jones, yeah. Can't believe I forgot him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they ended up losing um, Ryan O'Reilly. Um, they also lost Justin Hall, uh, the Wayne Train, Wayne Simmons, and Alex Kerfoot. As well as Nola Chari, Michael Bunting, Eric Gustafson, yeah. Matt Hollowell, Eric Schalgren, Alex Kerfoot. All those guys. Uh, Victor Mete, <laughs> Luke Shen, and Redeem Zahorna. Yeah, so all those guys too. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe let's just start with the talent out of the talent. So, where do you kind of fit in on... Is it a net gain with all the guys that they've added, or is it a net loss with like some of the guys that have gone out? I think I think it's a gain. Um, I'm just looking at their. I think they, I think they did good for their forward depth. I think they lost, like they lost Bunting, but they gained Bertuzzi and Domi. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a pretty decent trade off. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about defensively. I think they do still have a pretty good defense, and I honestly, but they lose Justin Hall, who's like criticized and hounded on for being poor defensively, and then is John Klingberg the replacement? Yeah, I think we talked about this at some point. I feel like we've had this conversation in the past. Yeah, that like what's like what's Klingberg gonna do defensively that Hall couldn't? Because that's. That doesn't yeah, seem. Klingberg's been an offensive guy. Yeah, but defensively, he's never been like pretty. So, I don't see it as like I think that's just like a wash, because like they didn't get better, but they didn't really fix the issue. I mean, they might have fixed another issue, which was like the power play. Like I guess Morgan Riley's kind of been that guy, but like yeah, I think there's always been like some criticism that like he's not delivering. On the power play, so maybe which I maybe don't know that is true or not. But I mean, in, in playoffs, he looked like the only guy that was playing at some points. Um, but Klingberg's been a, an offensive guy, so maybe he runs the power play or at least gets a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree that he's not going to be a defensive stalwart back there for them. But I guess they do have Jake McCabe, who is going to be there for a full season. Yeah, so I think maybe that's the, you know, maybe where they found the improvement on that particular position. is like, hey, Jake McCabe is a more defensive guy. So we have him, and then we can address this other issue with, with Klingberg. Yeah, I think when we talked about, like, free agency signings and things, that um, 
we discussed Luke Shen too, and I expressed a bit of uh, sadness about him leaving the Leafs because I thought it would have been cool for him to, you know, end his career there. Yeah, back in um, Toronto. But um, he looked like one of their best defensemen in playoffs. Um, so I thought that they might have made an attempt to keep him, but um, especially like they got, like, I don't know, John Klingberg, is John Klingberg better for them in the lineup at 4.1 million than Luke Shen would have been? I don't know. I guess, yeah. And that, that, that one kind of goes to just what is the team philosophy? Because, I mean, obviously Toronto with the offensive talent they have, they're going to focus more on that and like, you know, rather than, rather than patchwork or band-aid fix a weakness, we'll just double down on the strength. Yeah, I guess. You know? I guess it comes down to what, what they wanted and how they wanted to build the team. And it is a new general manager running the ship. So mm-hmm. the moves that um, were made before won't make sense in a new um, environment. So, yeah, I just thought it was interesting. I mean, I guess we'll see how it plays out with their with their blue line. Um, but yeah, I don't see it as being bad. It's just like, I don't I actually see... think their defense is solid. Yeah. And uh, like, this has kind of been a, a, a spot where they've maybe been criticized more than they deserve is the quality of their defense over the last few years is like, they yeah. get a lot of flack for it. And I think that's just because, Oh, like, look, they have all these offensive players. They must be bad defensively. But they've actually been one of the more average, if not better than average defensive teams in the league over the last few seasons and you know on paper their defensive unit is solid and i think yeah like matthews is really good defensively too marner too yeah so i think that yeah like there's a lot of people who have that conception um one thing that i did want to revisit with the defense and this might be going down the rabbit hole a bit but um is that sandine trade Mm. because uh you make that trade and trade out Sandine, who's an offensive guy, who was filling in on the power play when um, you know Riley was out, and uh, looked pretty good. Um, obviously had his struggles in Toronto, just like any other player does in Toronto. Um, you know they all seem to take a fair enough chunk of the pie for the blame game. Um, but you bring in a guy like Klingberg, um, who to me seems like a work like an older version. Of the same type of player, and, yeah, at a higher cap hit. I, I, you know, from a team building perspective, it would make more sense to have Sandine, who's younger and cheaper, right? Yeah, and like, I, I guess it, I guess like going back to my earlier point too of like it was a previous GM and now it's a new GM, so like maybe yeah. he saw that as like a mistake for wanting to bring in a similar type player, but you know, in the in the scheme of things, like Sandine's one point four million right now. Um, capitals and this is also me just being a capitals fan like uh like we got we yeah, got you, just, you just need to rub salt um, in the wound a little bit more but i just think look at just like just i think there's a lot of people who said that that trade didn't make sense for toronto at the time um because like they've got like what like three games out of eric gustafson and a first round pick that was late yeah so they ended up drafting that easton cowan guy who they probably could have gotten like the fourth round or yeah. whatever it was um, so. It's just, it's, I think that might be a trade that like we want to. People might want to look at a few years from now. I was like, what? Yeah, right. Unless Easton Cowan pans out to be like amazing. Well, even then, like, still, 
even even if he does, like that's not the type of thing where you can go back and be like, oh, that's that was meant to happen. That was a big brain move. Yeah, yeah that's that's not um, a big brain move. That's just a weird luck. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just a bit of a, <laughs> a head scratcher for sure. Um, but yeah, I think their defense looked good. I think like Timothy Lilgren is, is pretty good too. Um, they got Connor Timmons and Mark Giordano is kind of the, the, the bottom of the lineup guys. Uh, we'll see how much Giordano plays. I think in playoffs he looked maybe showing his age a bit. <laughs> I was going to um, say he looked old. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think he looked particularly great. Um, but um, I feel like even if he's not performing, someone like him, even if he's not performing great on the ice, the value of having him around at $800,000 is worth it. Yeah, he's sure. he's the type of guy with the the leadership experience, former Norris winner. Like that's just worth having around, even if maybe maybe he's not the most like reliable guy anymore, just due to age and in speed. Yeah, and maybe maybe he only gets into half the games this yeah, season. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I like the the question I asked you is like, is this a a net positive or a you know a net loss and I think I agree that it's a net gain with the additions yeah. that they've made. I think that they've become a better team as a result of the shakeup here. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, Tyler Bertuzzi should be a good second line forward for them. Um, I think that um, they've they've kind of always had like a bit of a drop off after their their top four and guys. Frankly, so, they still do. They still do. Like they're. They still do for sure. I don't think it's as stark of a contrast. Yeah, they like they that. now have that drop off being after the sixth guy, <laughs> where they go from either second line scheduled in on cap friendly depth charts with Domi, Tavares, and Nylander. Then their third line is Yarn Croak, David Kampf, and Sam Lafferty. Yeah. In in terms of you know what's projected on cap friendly, which I don't know if that's how they would start it, but that is quite the stark drop off. Yeah, and I don't think that. Uh... Cap friendly the most accurate for like what the lines are gonna be, yeah. but like gives you a rough idea of what it is. But because I, I think like Matthew Nyes would probably be, I feel like that's the more somewhere in there. Yeah, like yeah, know, he he um, could end up in the top six and push like a Domi down to the third line and help significantly with that, right? Yeah, that type of a of an arrangement. Yeah, but at least like they've got guys that like have shown to be capable of playing with like top end talent. Mm-hmm. Um, where like you know Tyler Bertuzzi was playing top six in Boston and Max Domi was playing with some really good players in Dallas, but he was playing with Patrick Kane more importantly in Chicago and looked good doing it. So I think like, and he's also a Domi, which is just like really cool for Toronto. Exactly. Right. Um, like born to play on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's really cool. Um, I think that they've got like a bit more of a, secondary scoring situation going on with with those two guys and i think the issue maybe with bertuzzi is like can this guy stay healthy for one, like a season like he's been an absolute band-aid the past few years so if he can stay healthy i think it it'll be it'll be good um and then yeah matthew nyes if he can pop into the lineup in the top end there would be pretty awesome and the only one that i don't really like is the addition of ryan reeves um I guess they've got to have a guy that can do that, but I think they still have Clifford like on contract somewhere. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I was thinking about that one too recently, and it's like, 
Is it a room thing? I think it is. I think Ryan Reeves is a guy who everyone enjoys having around and everyone likes playing with. And especially if they go in and, like, Wayne Simmons leaves, they need someone who is able to be a bit of a tougher player. Yeah. You know, there there still is that, that mentality of needing, not necessarily the enforcer like it used to be, but just someone who is, like, able to go and, like, intimidate the other team. But I think for Ryan Reeves, it's more that people like playing with him. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I guess I'm kind of hung up on, like, just three years, but... Three years um, is a weird one because I just realized he's 36. I guess... I guess just talking about it, it kind of makes sense because, like, if you think about how Toronto's playoff run was against Florida, like, they kind of got ragdolled, right? Or there was, like, Sam Bennett was on, like, Matthew Nyes and, like, shot him into the ground. And then, like, Gudis had that pretty low-key dirty hit on David Camp mm-hmm. where the whistle went and he fucking pasted him into the boards. I don't know if you remember that one. I believe so, yeah. I think I there was another I one. I don't know why like... he didn't get anything for that. Mm-hmm. That was pretty dirty in my opinion. Um, and then Gudis doing the whole like celebrating in front of um, Wall's face. Yeah, if that's you, the if last If you've one. got a guy like Ryan Reeves that's like around, I don't think that some of that probably would have still happened just because of the team that Florida is, but mm-hmm. I don't think it would have been as much. Yeah, you, you've got a little bit of a retaliatory force. But again, you'd be dressing Ryan Reeves to play... Seven, seven or eight minutes. Yeah, so it's like, is that what you want to do? I don't know, but um, I guess I guess I can see where they're coming from on that. Yeah. Um, here's one one big question for for you. I'd, I'll ask this one for you just because you, you're more familiar with the player, but Ilya Samsonov. Um, he had a pretty damn good first season yeah. in Toronto. Yeah. Like that was, I think that was probably the best season of his career. Yeah. Um, is that the real Samsonov? <laughs> like, do you, do you think he keeps that up? Do you think he's able to, to replicate that success? I hope he does. Um, it's funny when you ask, like, is that the real Samsonov? Because in Washington, it was Samsonov. So it's like, I don't know, <laughs> is it the real guy? Yeah. Um, it doesn't even pronounce his name the same way. Um, I had to correct myself because when I said it first to you, I said Samsonov. I always want to say Samsonov. Well, it's just the way it's the first I, one. When I first saw him in the Capitals, I wanted to say Samsonov. Because I was familiar with Sergei Samsonov. Yeah. And I wanted to say it like that. And then I had to teach myself to say yeah. like Samsonov. And now it's, and now it's like, too. okay, now I can't go back the other way. So mm-hmm. um, apologies to, you know, Russians <laughs> for how we pronounce last names, I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think this is, is going to be a pretty big year for him to show if that was a one-off or if that's his real kind of career norm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's. I'll just say that I think it's probably good that he doesn't understand English very well. Um, <laughs> Being in Toronto, yeah. In Toronto, I think that's probably an advantage. That might be why he's able to to keep his cool yeah, in the Toronto market. He doesn't understand what people are saying. He's got someone yelling and screaming at him. He's like, hi. Yeah. Um, that's probably honestly a, a, a pretty good thing. They yeah. Should, they should just de- they should just draft all players that don't know English. There we go. That's the that's the way to do it. And all the criticism, they just don't doesn't phase them. 
And then, hey, if if uh, Samsonov doesn't doesn't play as well this season, they've got the savior Martin Jones is the is in the lineup. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't want to shit on Martin Jones, but like, because like last year in Seattle, he was good enough, mm-hmm. right? Like they, his save percentage and his numbers might not have been great, but like, he won. He yep, he won. He was what they needed. He kept him alive. They got to playoffs because he played good enough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like. I say the savior, not as like a degree. I know. Thing, yeah, like I he know. literally did come he in did. and help. He did help Seattle he, make the playoffs. Like if, if he wasn't there, they wouldn't have made it. No, they so. they were struggling so much with their goalies that Martin Jones came in. He provided you know stability and made the saves that were needed to get Seattle to a position in the playoffs. Yeah, so if he can just do that again, it's again if it's not, it doesn't have to be pretty or anything. But mm-hmm. if he's just able to be a you know, a body basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I think it'll be okay. And then, like, do they just do they play wall? I don't know. Um, yeah, I think it's a it's a bit of a question mark. But I think Samsonov is a bit more proven than guys like yeah, some of the other goalies we talked about, like Devin Levi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't see yeah. it as as you know. Obviously, if he regresses a bit, then they're going to struggle a little bit more. But I see Toronto, like, I see their roster is good enough to cover. That, like, his yeah. numbers his numbers weren't just a result of him being out of this world. They were also a result of the team in front of him being solid. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, think, he, I think he did just play generally better than he did in Washington. Like, um, at least from the games I saw. I don't know about playoffs. Like, playoffs, I think his numbers were a little rough. But I don't know how much of that is really on him, considering, like, some of the plays that... Toronto let happen like to, to develop into scoring opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I think he he should be okay in that. And yeah, like you said, if he regresses a little bit, then they're they're good enough that they should be able to mm-hmm. you know accommodate that. Um, but uh, if he does, if you know, knock on wood, but if like there was an injury, and Max Jones or uh, Martin Jones, not Max Jones, um has to be like the guy for the whole season or something. I don't know how that's going to work, but um, you know, I, I still, still like their forward depth and you know their defense is good enough. Um, I think that they should still be okay because um, they, you know, they're spending a lot of money on goal scoring. So you know, I think Mitch Marner probably hits a hundred points this year. Um, I think he hit 99, I think. Yeah, nice. um, sitting at 99. I think Matthews um, should be healthy coming into the year. Um, you know, should hopefully play a whole season, although I'm looking and he's only done that once. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're so strong offensively that I think they should be okay, no matter what kind of happens. But... Yeah, I think that, that um, to me, that they're the favorite to, to win the division. I think um, at this point, yeah. Like, the two teams they're competing most directly with, Boston and Tampa, look to be primed to regress. This looks like it should be Toronto's division for the next season or two. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Unless something dramatic happens to change that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, they were, well, I don't think they were, the, the second team in the division, you know, second in points percentage, whatever we want to look at, 
Um, and Boston's, as we mentioned, probably going to drop. So it's, it's Toronto's opportunity to take advantage of that and really just secure first in this division for first time in a while, I guess. Um, but uh, it would be funny if after all, all this that they, they win first and then they play Boston. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no I mean, trees though, to, to have they to still or... They still have to slay that dragon, right? They do, yeah. They slayed the first round dragon, but they didn't slay the Boston dragon. If you wanted to be storybook, yeah, you, you, you didn't. They didn't beat the team that beat Boston. They have to beat Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way it works. Yeah, I mean that's that would be the storybook's ending, right? I mean that's what happened for Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you have seen it where they slay the dragon with with uh, Vancouver. They beat Chicago finally. And they got to the finals, and then, how do you know they lost to Boston? <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe storybook's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I think that they that they should be first, though, um, barring any massive surprises. Um, but I think that they, they did get marginally better, too. That wraps things up for this time here on Clappercast. Make sure you rate and review this episode and toss a follow or subscribe our way. For more content, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Clappercast Media or on Twitter at Clappercast. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Hockey Talk.